Praise God. It's a wonderful Easter Sunday and we are delighted to uh, have you join us for this special uh, online church service. This is not Mid Assembly of God Church reaching you from Lusaka, Zambia. We are delighted that you have taken time to join us. God has something special for you on this Resurrection Sunday. This is the greatest day of your life, the greatest day for your family. And I want you to have confidence that when you call upon the Lord on such a day, He will hear you. We want you to just sit back and relax for a moment as we commence the service. There is special music ministry to lift your heart. Enjoy. Praise God. God is always faithful. 
to his people. And he will be looking out for you to respond to his word today. The message God has given us on this special Sunday, um, Easter Sunday, is entitled Relevance of the Death and Resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the face of human suffering, during this season, we're taking time to bring the word in a fashion that will enable you to see that God is not distanced from your life, that God is not distanced from the pain that you may be going through. We're taking time to bring the word in such a fashion that you can relate it to what is happening around you. And so as I've been seeking the Lord this, this past week, the Lord has put this message very deeply on my heart. The truths that we share have always been in the word. But you know, there's a way in which the events of life and the circumstances that you face enable you to reflect again. And as you go back to the word, you find that the word is alive. The word is so relevant. The, the word is actually ahead of the times. And when I think about what has happened in the past few weeks with the advent of COVID-19, with the advent of the coronavirus, I have found such, such depth, such freshness in the word of God. And in the process of this, the Lord took me back to some things that we have taught before around the truths of the resurrection, around the truths related to uh, the death of Jesus Christ. And, and so this is the, the freshness of what we share today. The relevance of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ in the face of human suffering. The death of Jesus Christ is something we have referred to already since this Easter period began. By the time that Good Friday was setting in, we were all reflecting already around the death, the burial. And on this kind of Sunday, we project towards the resurrection. Let me remind all of us that when we examine the New Testament, for instance, we find the death of Jesus Christ mentioned 175 times. Every once in a while at Easter, I try and remind us of the kind of space that issues to do with the death and resurrection of the Lord occupy in the word of God. For instance, I have said before, I would like to say again, in fact, in the just um, ended uh, for a Good Friday service, I, I remember mentioning the fact that there are 7,957 verses in the New Testament, specifically referring to the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And each time I mention this statistic, I remind us that that means one out of every 45 verses in the Bible refers to the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's an important subject. So today, in reflecting on this death, as well as the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I want us to go to the Old Testament and look at Isaiah 52 beginning at verse number 13, onward into chapter 53. So let's commence there. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond 
that of any man. And his form marred beyond human likeness. So, he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. Then we branch into chapter 53. Who has believed our message or our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of the ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Please take note of that. Familiar with suffering. And we're talking about the relevance of the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ in the face of human suffering. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteem him no, esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was despised and pierced rather for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Verse number six, which, we, which is where we'll pause for now. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us, Turned to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Having heard this um, elaborate preface and opening and wonderful ministry of song into our souls, I want us to pray together as we make this transition into the declaration of God's holy word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to explore your word on this wonderful Easter. At a time, Lord, when we're reflecting on your death and resurrection, and as we celebrate the life that you have given us, Lord, may you bring us the sobriety that we need in order for us to apply that which you have sovereignly done in order to salvage mankind. Pray for men and women, boys and girls, all across the globe who are listening and who are viewing, that you will touch them. You know exactly what they are facing. You know the things that, that cause them to wonder whether you're near or whether you're far, or sometimes they feel that you're far away. Today, Lord, I pray that as we minister your word, you will be the God that comes close enough to lift them up and out of their situations so that they can hear a fresh voice of love, a fresh voice of victory. We seek these mercies in Jesus' holy name with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you, beloved, and thank you for taking time once again to join in today. The New Testament has at least 12 specific and distinct occurrences that are recorded historically as the moments when Jesus, after his death, actually resurrected and appeared to specific individuals who lived on the face of this earth. One of those accounts is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 6 to 8. Now, in that account, there is a clear indication of the fact that 
Those who saw Jesus in that moment were not seeing a ghost. They were seeing a real person. So let me recount that event just now. The Bible says there in verse 6, after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers, 500, at the same time most of whom are still living. At the time that Paul was writing this letter, these people were still living. Though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all apostles, and at last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. So the apostle Paul, in this particular case, recounts, an instance where he came face to face with Jesus Christ. And this is evidently on the Damascus Road. Now for people like Paul and others who had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus Christ, it wouldn't be very difficult for them to be able to say that there was an immediate relevance of the life of Jesus, his death, of course, and resurrection, because they now had an encounter with him directly. But for you and I today who are living many thousands of years later, even though we know that we have to believe in him by faith, there are times when as a human being you ask questions, how does his death, how does his resurrection relate to me? How does his death and or resurrection relate to the fact that I have no food on the table? The fact that I have a loved one who has just succumbed to COVID-19. How does the life and death of Jesus Christ, the death and life of Jesus Christ relate to the fact that I I may have a loved one or you may have a loved one that's right now on a respirator and it's almost like a 50-50 chance, you're not sure whether they will make it through life. It's those questions that with the help of the Lord, I would like to address today. When we consider the death and life of the Lord Jesus Christ, an application of the truths of God's word is what will help you and I to begin to find the truths of his word relevant. So we commence Right in verse 13 of Isaiah 52. The suffering savior is described as follows. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him. His appearance was disfigured beyond that of any man as his form marred beyond human likeness. The description here is regarding Jesus Christ and the actual suffering he underwent here on earth. He came and died for you and I. We are familiar with John, 1 John chapter Uh, rather John chapter three and verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So Jesus came and suffered here on earth. He died for you and I. So the first instance of understanding the relevance of Christ's death is the fact that he undertook that mission of coming to earth and dying really for us. And out of that whole episode, we have five key biblical doctrines that from time to time we refer to in the church, which I would like to highlight again today because those are the key truths that enable you and I to begin to see how relevant the death of Jesus Christ and the subsequent resurrection really is to you and I. Doctrine of truth number one is the substitution work 
of Christ. His death, as we understand it in the scriptures, was really a substitutionary work. The word substitution sounds big, but it's a word that we're very familiar with. I know that soccer is on recess at the moment, but soccer or football, as we know it here in Africa, is probably the best uh, sport to help us understand the principle of substitution. So I'm saying that the death of Jesus Christ was really a substitution. What do we mean? In a soccer game, when all is going on and um, the coach sees that someone on a particular play number isn't playing at their best and they need to be replaced by someone else in order for the game to maintain the plan that, 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 that is supposed to be executed, they will take that person out. Maybe they were number 10. They will take them out and place someone else. They might even juggle the numbers in such a way that the, um, the, the strategy changes so that the game can pick up pace. Whatever the case is, the people who are ready to fill in for someone else are on the touchline. They're getting ready. They're warming up. And once they warm up sufficiently and they're, taking, they're told it's time to go in, they go in, they take the place of the one who is seen as probably not performing at their best. And so they are set aside. The substitute goes in. And there are times when you have a super story where sub, a super sub comes in. Within minutes, the game changes, pace changes, and there is a goal. And then everybody says, super sub. The super sub has changed the game. Now, in the case of Jesus Christ, I must let you know, it's not that he's, he began to fail in the game and there was need for someone. Not at all. It was you and I that actually failed in the game. The Bible says we have sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because of sin, we were required to face and to, read, to meet the, the, the penalty of sin. And the penalty of sin means that you and I have to actually die for our sins, needed to die for our sins. And we were incapable of paying that price. We were incapable of meeting the demand, God's demand for humankind in the face of their error and in the face of their shortcoming, in the face of their failure in the game of life. So he then decided to remove us from the picture and place his own son, more than a super sub, to come in and take our place so that this game would not fail. And it's more than a game, my dear friend. In this particular case, the substitutionary work of the Lord Jesus Christ means that he comes to take your place and mine in order to fulfill the plan of God so that you and I would receive what we have the opportunity to receive when we accept him as Lord and Savior. Now, theologically, there is another word that is used alongside substitution. And you'll see it just now on the screen. The word is vicarious. The word vicarious is the one from which the term vicar, a vicar in, uh, in a church, in some church settings they have people who they refer to as vicars, a vicar, somebody who is, who is looking after um, uh, a church. The word vicarious comes from the word, uh, is, is the one that, from which the word vicar is taken which means substitute, one who takes the place of another or acts in the stead of, in the stead of. So a vicar in the church is really acting on behalf of everybody else, looking after the affairs of the church, looking after the affairs of many. Jesus took our place. This is the vicarious death where he takes your place 
and mine in order for us to receive what we need from God. So Isaiah 53 verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In other words, when you talk about relevance, here's what it is. You and I needed room to succeed. We needed room to be able to make sure that life doesn't put us out of the game to an extent where we would never rise again. By the coming of Jesus, you and I got a chance to get back into the game, to get back into the game so that we can score as much as God wants us to score. But of course, there are a few conditionalities. Just the fact that somebody is given a chance to live again does not mean that they live on their own terms. And I'll be talking about this a little more as we discuss today. A few more passages in the Bible bring us to the place of understanding this substitutionary work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we go back to Isaiah 53, which is part of our larger uh, segment of consideration. In verse number three, the Bible says he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities. So the infirmities that were upon us, he took them on. That's a vicarious work of the Lord Jesus Christ. First Peter 2.24 says, Christ in his own body, bore our infirmities and our pain that we may henceforth no longer live unto ourselves but unto Christ, by whose stripes we were healed. That's the vicarious work of the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, the indication there is that he was just, but the just took the place of the unjust. That's substitutionary. That is vicarious, where Jesus takes your place and mine. So what will you do with that level of work? It means, beloved, that you cannot continue to live just the way you would like to live. You, can't, you and I can't live life on our own terms. Jesus has paid the price. He has taken the place that you and I we're supposed to take. He has gone to the cross and hang there instead of you and I hanging there. If you talk about relevance, that's where it begins. In other words, it should have been you. It should have been me having to pay the price for my own sins. But Jesus Christ as on account of what God was desiring to do here on earth, agreed to leave the portals of heaven, to come here on earth to take your place and mine. On this Easter, you must understand what Jesus has achieved for you. And that's part of the relevance of what he has done. Now, when anybody sacrifices for you, at face value as human beings, there is an obligation to return the favor and show that you not only appreciate, but you can hopefully trust them. Trust them because they've done something for you. What Jesus is expecting from us is that after all the work he has done, you and I can get up from the things that have hurt us in life, from the things that caused us to be so ravaged and turn the page and allow him now to take control of our lives. We can trust him. But probably we must take a second step and look at another portion of truth in the word that enables us to see the relevance of the death of Christ. It is a doctrinal truth referred to as the atonement. So his death was a substitution. It was vicarious. Secondly, his death is an atonement. Atonement, very big word. 
But in general terms, the atonement refers to the entire provision of salvation made by God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It is in the context of a repair that needs to be done for an offense or an injury that has been committed. So some kind of reparation needs to be done. So you and I must understand how much we injured God. You said to me, Bishop, how did we injure him? Well, he created us. And when he created us, he meant us to specifically live to glorify him and honor him and enjoy fellowship. But in our willfulness as humankind, we chose to move away from God and severed ourselves from relationship with him. In that, in that arrangement of us having severed ourselves from God, there's an injury done, not just to ourselves, but definitely to uh, the relationship that was there between us and God. Now, in God, on God's terms, when that happens, we must pay the price. So atonement comes in when you're considering the fact that there's repair that has to be done. The sin committed, the injury done has to be covered. So how does it get covered? This is how in the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, they had the formality of the atonement uh, process where an animal would be taken and slaughtered. And it's blood used to atone, to cover, to cleanse, to deal with the sin. And in those days, individuals had to have their sin atoned for. And every single one had to bring up an animal. Now, that kind of exercise was not something that we could be able to sustain as humankind. So there came a place in history where, again, the death of Jesus Christ, his coming here on earth, took the place of you and I and allowed us to see him as the lamb, that special lamb that would now be offered on our behalf. Instead of you and I going around to look for a lamb, an animal to come and slaughter so that our sin would be atoned for, Jesus took that place and he, as was described by John, became the lamb of God. The lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so when John saw him, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Embedded in there is the whole process of the atonement. Jesus Christ coming to take care of our sin so that we would have that whole matter covered. And then when you look at that, it means that he was achieving reconciliation, that the gulf that was there between you and I as human beings was now covered. And once that, once that gulf is covered, it means that you and I could now walk across as if walking on a bridge to be able to get back to God. And you have a chance to do that at this time. Now during these days of the calamity that is caused by COVID-19, I know that as we continue to see images of um, the losses that people have undergone, sometimes the pain is hard to fathom. It is hard to even imagine what could be going on in the lives of so many who are losing loved ones. I want you to know that Jesus Christ went through similar pain. In fact, he undertook that pain on your behalf. Meaning the pain and suffering that you may be uh, experiencing now within the physical loss of loved ones which we experience, which we're experiencing now is a pain that he already uh, handled. He felt it 
But what keeps us from experiencing the power of God is that we need to be able to have our sin atoned for, our sin covered, us reconciled to God so that we can access the mercies that God has presented so healing can flow into our situations. So we cannot deal with this sin matter matter lightly. It's a huge thing. In Isaiah 59, the Bible says, the ears of the Lord are not dull that they cannot hear. No, his his eyes heavy that, that they cannot actually see. He can see us. He can hear us and he can see us. No, his arm short that it cannot say. But the prophet says, your sins, your iniquities have stood in between you and God. That is why sin has to be atoned for and handled, covered, dealt with so that the injury is repaired. The, 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 the whole arrangement of the bruising that has come in our souls as a result of our estrangement from God is handled by the power of the King of Kings. Your sin has been atoned for and you and I can turn to Jesus Christ today. And I do not want to belittle the pain that we face as a result of what we experiencing during this uh, COVID crisis. But I must take us beyond that pain and say, well, what Jesus went through is even much more because he suffered over these things ahead of time so that you and I could go past these impediments and the things that stand in our way so that we can receive mercy from the Lord Jesus Christ. That leads us to the third truth. It's called propitiation. Yes, as you see it, propitiation. His death was a propitiation. What do I mean? Propitiation has to do with the turning away of wrath by sacrifice. The turning away of anger by sacrifice. Beloved, When we begin to deal with these truths, they're heavy. And that's the reason why, I must tell you, some people have found it easy to dilute these truths and make it sort of user-friendly so people can think there's another way of getting to God. In these days of so many options, people have skirted around the issue of the significance of the death of Jesus and made it look like, well, there are other ways. We don't really have to deal with a grim picture of death and sin. No, my dear friends, there is no way around it. The truth is that Jesus came from heaven and died on the cross because the issue of sin was extremely serious. There was no other way. He had to substitute you and I because there is no way we could be able to have that answer without him coming. So I want us to understand that this may be heavy and this may be something very difficult for us to to work with, but it must be understood because it is this truth truth, beloved, that becomes our freedom. Man wants to make it look easy and fast and, 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 and quick going, but there are no way, no two ways around it. There is only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ came in order to take our place by substitution, by the atonement, making provision so that the injury would be dealt with by his death. The propitiation means, first of all, when sin is committed, God is under holy obligation to judge that sin. That's what the Bible tells us. It's under holy obligation. So in propitiation, God targets his very own anger. The anger that is aimed at judging sin when it is not atoned for, when it is not handled. But in propitiation, and you must align that then with how we respond. When we respond by confessing our sins and understanding that Jesus can forgive us. When we respond by confessing our sins and asking Jesus to come through. In that moment, there is a divine action that takes place. God, 
turns away the anger. In propitiation, he turns away the anger because sin has been atoned for and because somebody is now turning to Christ and understanding that only Christ can forgive them of their sins, their anger is turned. When the anger is turned, you and I have a chance to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That leads us to the fourth item, which is reconciliation. First of all, before we go to uh, reconciliation, which is our second last item, I need to read Romans chapter 3 and verse 25. In Romans 3, 25, let's begin it at verse 23. The Bible says, the Bible says, for all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God, verse 25 says, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left sins committed beforehand and punished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Christ Jesus. That's deep. I've just explained the scenario. At the atonement level, we're seeing sin that's needing to be handled and covered and forgiven. But it can be covered and forgiven unless there's the application of uh, where God is getting the, the liberty and freedom to intercept his obvious anger that is directed at the sin because that's the order of divine judgment. But that anger can only be averted by Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So in that whole arrangement, as the fact that God is under holy obligation to judge sin, Jesus comes, steps in to substitute us and to take our place. Our requirement is simply to acknowledge that he came, to open our hearts, confess our sins, turn away from our sins. In that moment, as we're confessing and turning away from our sins and repenting, that whole arrangement of judgment that was directed where justice was needing to be done on the face, on the face of uh, what we had committed, God averts and turns that anger. Because Jesus now has taken your place and mine. Reconciliation, which is the fourth item here, then happens. The relationship that was broken is now restored. The relationship that was broken between you and I and, 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 and God is now restored. Reconciliation suggests that God is restoring mankind. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and if you read particularly verse number 17, uh, chapter 5, and especially if you're reading at verse number 17, the Bible is very, very clear in indicating the fact that we in Christ become new creatures. Old things pass away. Behold, everything becomes new. But in verse number 18, you must see something of uh, very critical value. Let me draw your attention towards it. And then we'll go to our final point in just a moment. Second Corinthians chapter five. So verse number 17, the Bible says, anyone who is in Christ is a new creature. All things have gone, the new has come. Verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, but that, and that God was reconciling the world to himself in not counting men's sins against them. And he committed to us the message of reconciliation. Here's the picture, beloved. There's something beautiful happening right here. We've come all the way from a top ladder of substitution where Jesus took our place because we weren't able, we weren't able to rescue ourselves. We come to the place of understanding 
atonement where sin is committed, is an injury, and judgment is due. But there's a covering that is made and provided for by God. But in a divine arrangement, unless propitiation takes place, God must judge the sin. But in propitiation, there is a risk to the, God comes through, acts to turn away the anger, to avert the anger, because his son has taken the place of you and I. And in that moment of that rescue, we have an opportunity where the way is opened and there is a reconciliation. So in that reconciliation, a relationship is restored. We can now go to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Abba. We can say to the Lord our God, Abba, Father. We can say to Jesus Christ, our brother. Indeed, someone who is now ready to lift you out of that doldrum of sin and you can receive his mercy. But this is not all. When all this is done, we have a fourth step. And this is what we refer to now as redemption. It's a ransom. You are now lifted, completely lifted. There is a rescue. And I can't help but think about some of the tragedies that, the, the tragedies that we've seen in the last many months when we're seeing floods in many places, when we're seeing earthquakes, when we're seeing tsunamis and so on, and when people were in a place where they needed rescues. I remember seeing some, some helicopters and a number of months ago, there were, the, there, were, there were the fires in Australia. And I remember looking at helicopters that would go down there and try to rescue people in places where there's, there's the, there were floods. I, I saw people being lifted. Some kind of a, a rescue team is out there and they go down with a, with, a, with a rope and they finally pick up somebody and they're pulled up into the helicopter again. It's a rescue team. Here is the greatest of all rescue missions. You and I have been in the draw drums of sin. And Jesus has come with a rescue mission. Redemption is that ransom. It is that rescue. It signifies the releasing or liberating from captivity or slavery or death of that one who was held in that circumstance. And a full payment has been done by Jesus Christ. And so we are rescued and taken up to the Lord, our Savior. In these five steps, you can see that a loving God from heaven has come to show you and I the grace that is unmatched. And by his grace, you and I have been able to experience salvation. So when you go back to Isaiah 53, you can understand. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we did consider him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced or wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds we were healed. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. On this Easter, I've endeavored to share with you these five key doctrinal truths that in themselves make relevant the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've taken you through substitution, atonement, propitiation, reconciliation, and redemption. Your role now is to apply this into your life. We're here in the days of COVID and it is hard to trust anyone. That's what is emerging. There's so many conspiracy stories as to what happened, who did what. Is this a biological war? What happened? And there are narratives. These conspiracy theories show you and I that it is, in, it is very difficult for us as human beings to trust one another. Whatever the case might be, and I don't know which ones of the conspiracy theories may be anywhere near to the truth, whatever the case is. I know that there is a God in heaven who has your interest. You and I can trust him. 
Right now, there's, in the conspiracy theories, there's a mention of this superpower, that superpower, working this, working the other, and all these things happen. It's because the world is fighting and it's hard for them to trust one another. And each one has his own self-interest, but there's only one who has your interest, God. And I say to you, during these days, he is walking through this with us. He cares. He has your interest. He has my interest. He loves you. He wants to rescue you. Will you take the rescue mission from on high? And how do you take it? Acknowledge you have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Acknowledge that you cannot save yourself. Acknowledge that since he took your place, you can receive his love. His love covers you and rescues you. And today you can become his child. And if you're already his child, even by doing what you have done already, you can also invite the Lord into your situation. Beloved, we are not alone. I can say to you, looking at this word and looking at what it took for God to send his son from on high to come and save us. I know that right now, he loves us so much that he is walking through this COVID darkness and he is eager to push this darkness behind us. He is eager to lift us and rescue us. We may not understand why some of our own loved ones are losing their lives, but in his sovereignty, he allows certain things to happen while he still preserves us. He has preserved you. He has preserved you. He has preserved you. So let's trust him and let him come into your family and walk through this period with you. The resurrection is about hope. His death is about hope. It's about life. That life you can live now with Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today. I want to pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity that you gave us to do your word, to present it, and to declare it. Now I ask that as many have taken your word and put faith in you, you will now reach out to their hearts and lives. Reach out to that mother right now, dear Lord, who's ailing deep inside, breathing with emotional pain because of all that has gone on in the past few weeks. Reach out now, Lord, and grant them healing and let them recess from this pain because you have taken this pain on your body already. Because your word says you were wounded for our transgressions that the chastisement that brought us peace was upon you. Let, let that peace be for that mother. Let that peace be for, for that individual in Jesus' holy name. And for someone, dear Lord, who is still grieving as a result of what has happened in just the past few weeks, I pray that you will be their comfort right now through Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. And I ask now that you will be able to grant provision to those who are in need of provision, provide food for them today and tomorrow. Restore employment, restore hope, and help everyone to understand that whatever happens, your name is higher, your hope is what gives us a chance to say that because you live, we can face tomorrow. So we do all this through Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, with thanksgiving. Amen. My dear friends, the Lord is your hope. Join us again at this time next week. Jesus is relevant during your time of suffering. How deep the Father's love for us how vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure how great the pain of searing loss the father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one being many sons to glory behold the man upon the cross my sin upon his shoulder ashamed i hear my mocking voice call out among
I know that that song blessed you and the word that we've ministered today has brought you to a place where you want to take a step and receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. We do not want to close this service without helping you to take that step. And so here's what you can do. If you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you simply pray and talk to him. He will hear you. And the steps that I discussed in the message will become a reality. And so I know that many people out there sometimes feel, well, I don't know how to pray. Let me help you. I will actually say a prayer. And if you mean the words of this prayer from the depth of your heart, it will actually help you in the next few moments to have the start of a new relationship with Jesus Christ. So kindly, if you can, Bow your head and close your eyes, wherever you are at. And if you don't have to, it's okay. You can look at the screen and just say these words after me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today as a sinner. I realized that I've gone away from your commandments. Today, I've heard your voice speaking to me, calling me back to you. Lord, I acknowledge that I cannot save myself. Therefore, I ask you to come and save me. I confess my sins. I repent of all my sins. I open the door of my heart. I invite you, Jesus, to come into my heart as my Savior and my Lord. Help me now to live a holy life. I ask these messes through your name. Now, if you have prayed that prayer, my dear friend, the Lord has come into your life. We want to go a little further and help you. Feel free to be able to get to our website, www.notmidassembly.org or visit any of our uh, social media platforms and somebody will be able to help you. State your name and state what you're looking for. We are here to help you. I know your life will never be the same again. And if nothing else, this is the only reason why we are here. It is to help people like you. God bless you. And we look forward to hearing from you at the soonest. For the rest of you who've been watching and who've been listening, we want to be able to do a benediction together as a way of just lifting up our hearts and committing ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so just follow along with us as you see the words scrolling. The Lord bless you and keep you, cover you and protect you. The Lord go before you and grant you peace. So the redeemed of the Lord who are called by his name will agree together by saying, surely, goodness and mercy and wholeness, identity and destiny shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will feast at the table spread for me as I fix my eyes on Jesus, the Lamb of God, the author and finisher of our faith and our great high priest. In Jesus' name, amen. Shalom. Shalom.